Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we are once again joined by Ellie Mistal, who went to Harvard Law School. But <laughs> it's, um, we're coming to you on an insane week, another insane week of being a black person in America. Derek Chauvin, the officer who murdered George Floyd, was convicted on all counts. Danielle, how does the Chauvin conviction make you feel? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Torre. Um, how does it make me feel? Well, I-, I will say that the hours before the verdict came in, I felt nauseous. I was shaking. Phys- I had physical reactions to what was going to be the impending decision. When it came across, I screamed. I screamed at the television because the first announcement was for the highest charge, which was murder two. Um, he was charged with three, three separate, um, three separate charges, murder two carrying the longest sentencing, which was the one that many of us were holding our breaths about. Um, how do I feel? I don't know because I, I thought that I would feel more relief. I, I thought that I would feel like we could take a deep breath, that this could be the first uh, in a series that we would say that police can be held accountable for killing us like fucking animals in the street. But as it comes on the heels of yet another killing, and during that two-week trial, we were interrupted. I mean, Torre, your post about we interrupt the trial of Derek Chauvin to bring you the killing of Dante Wright. We interrupted again to bring you the kid- killing of Adam Toledo. We interrupt it now as Derek Chauvin is being uh, placed in handcuffs and escorted out of the courtroom, we interrupt your deep breath to tell you that a 16-year-old girl has been murdered. Like, so I, I don't honestly know how I'm supposed to feel or how we're supposed to feel. What I will say is that seeing the family of George Floyd with such cheer, with tears of, of joy, of, of the work that they've been toiling uh, doing to, to get, to get accountability for, you know, for, for their, for their loved one, that was amazing to see. And I felt for them, but then also seeing their cheers just brought me back to the Zimmerman courtroom Mm. and the devastation of Trayvon Martin's parents, um, and all of the parents and all of the families that never got that moment and were deserving of it. I definitely felt tremendous catharsis watching Chauvin be handcuffed and led away through the door and video that I found on the internet of him being shuffled away in orange off to a bus and a prison and like, wow, like you motherfuckers can get got. And I genuinely smiled last night thinking of him in prison and having to do a shit ton of time and wondering if there was some small shudder that went through the police officers of America like, shit, it can't happen. Now, a million things had to go right for this to happen. Um, 
but it's a possibility. But I don't think I, I, I don't have any joy in terms of like we have moved forward on mm-hmm. racial justice or policing violence. This seems to me like an, an oasis in a an Elena in an impossible losing season, like one victory in just loss after loss of we get killed and then the court shrugs. I, I don't think the 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 cop who shot Adam Toledo is going to have any legal significant legal problem. He's not going to be convicted. The cop who shot Dante Wright is not going to be convicted, and the cop who shot uh, Micaiah Bryant, who just jumped out of his car basically and just started wildly shooting, just started shooting without understanding like what's going on. Is this danger ground? Like, is she defending herself? Like, um, Ellie, just as a person, what was your what is your feelings responding to the conviction of Chauvin? Yeah, at first, I, I, there there is relief. Like, I, and I don't want to I don't want to um, soft sell that because the, the, let's never forget the alternative here. And like, honestly, as we're coming down the pipe, waiting for this, uh, waiting for the verdict, I'm sitting there thinking, like, if this goes bad, what happens tonight? You know, what happens? to this country what happens to that community obviously what happens to this country and then frankly i was also kind of worried you know what happens to me because there are only a few columns one writes about an acquittal and you know they're like three columns one's writes about an acquittal and two of them get you fired so like i was very <laughs> you know relieved um about the verdict just because we because because the worst that could have happened would have been very bad. So I, I was relieved. I think it's only really been, you know, after that and after Micaiah Bryant and after, you know, you, you're, you're snapped back to reality that you remember that, that there is no victory. Um, there is only continued struggle. So, you know, how do I feel? Yeah. I feel, I would imagine that I feel like, you know, a Donner Party survivor. Like we've gone through the past, we've eaten each other, we've made it to California. Does anybody have a goddamn plane? Because I ain't doing that again, right? Like, mm. is, is there any other way to to deal with this problem? Because what we just went through to get here is unsustainable and yeah. irrepeatable. Yeah. You know, you said it, Torre, but like, let's let let's not soft sell to get this one conviction. Of this one cop, we needed 10 minutes of uninterrupted broad daylight video showing in the murder. Mm-hmm. A victim who was handcuffed and screaming for his mother while he was being killed. We needed um, a national mo- protest movement over a summer during a pandemic. We needed you know, years and years of work by Black activists to build the infrastructure so those protests could happen. We needed a Democratic state attorney general. This does not happen in a Republican state. We needed a prosecutor who was willing to bring charges. We needed a three-week trial, and we needed 10 cops to testify against him to get this verdict. That That is a heavy lift, and it's not a lift that we can count on again. I think the cops testifying against him was huge. I think some of the emotional reactions of the bystanders was huge i mean like george floyd type situations happen in america all the time and get swept under the rug if nobody happened to be watching and videoing uh then this gets swept under the rug because the initial report was like you know he died of what was it a heart attack they didn't say he died because we strangled him um the but but, torre just quickly the initial police statement Without the bravery of Darnella Frazier and her video, without the bravery of a 17-year-old girl, they said that there that it was a medical incident. Right. That it was a med they characterized what we saw for nine minutes and 27 seconds as a medical incident. Without Darnella's video, we wouldn't even be having this discussion because they had no, they had no uh qualms about the lie that they put together. And Derek Chauvin wasn't going to lose a night of sleep, let alone his job, oh had it God. not been for Danella Frazier's video. And who Breonna is- Taylor, can, can I just say, just to, to back that yeah. up, think about the police report that we got for Breonna Taylor, right? Yeah. The Breonna Taylor police report the day after was, 
um, was something like, you know, a suspect was killed after officers returned fire upon being shot at while trying to deliver, a, while trying to execute a warrant. Breonna Taylor was not, her name wasn't even mentioned in the police report about her own murder. So yeah, the police, I've said this a lot. I said this here, I said this elsewhere. Any journalist who repeats a police report uncritically is just is just being a stooge. Is just is just that, being a know, stooge. You're totally right. White supremacy. And we in journalism and media consistently report what the police say mm-hmm. as the official word. No need to question it. This is what actually happened. Witnesses said this, but the official word. So we don't even couch it in language at like. Well, the police said, and witnesses said, citizens said. We just say this is the official word, and then this is what witnesses said as if that's to be taken secondarily the official word is that this is what i mean like have we not learned that the police lie all the time and that we cannot take their word as official and binding and final Uh, i want to also give uh kudos to jerry blackwell who was stellar throughout this who concluded with this amazing line about the issue was not about George Floyd's heart, it's that Derek Chauvin's heart was too small. Mm-hmm. And it was Chauvin's lack of humanity, his inability to see the humanity of George Floyd that led to this happening. His ego in the face of the onlookers who were telling him, you can't do that, and his inability to see George Floyd's humanity. And that is so much of what happens at the heart of the racist interactions we get that white people with power do not see us as human and feel like mm-hmm. they can do anything to us in terms of inflicting pain, taking away wealth, uh, you know, putting us in cages. Like what? Ha- because they're not really people. They're animals. Let them lose their yep. souls. And we see this over and over. You know, one of the things and I want to ask you this, Ellie, is that the defense, the defense's case made me sick. Right. And I understand oh. The defense, you know, they have a job to do. Everyone, you know, according to our rule of law is is supposed to receive credible defense. But their case was rested in tropes about black people that were used to enslave us. Mm. Black people have superhuman strength. Mm. So according to the defense, George Floyd, even though had been dead for three minutes, while Derek Chauvin's knee was on his neck, could have somehow leapt back into life, even with handcuffs in a prone position and his face down uh, in the pavement and head by an exhaust, could have then come back to life and killed everybody that was at the scene. That was their reality. That's, that's what they're basing the case off, that Black people have this superhuman strength and so excessive force is necessary. Ellie, how do we move from that place Right. When even the cases that are lauded against us are steeped in the reasoning that excessive force exists in the first place. Yeah. Or excessive force. And you also you didn't mention, but this this idea of excited delirium, that, that that's a that's a made up trope. That yes. is a, that is not a medical thing. That is something that white people made up to justify killing black people on the street. Um, how do we move beyond it? I mean, to quote Chris Rock, we got to get better white people. I mean, there's not, like the, 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 the only way that that argument stops being made is when attorneys in general understand that making such arguments would so turn off the jury, would so offend the average least common denominator white juror that it's simply not worth it to make the case for fear of literally pissing off and offending your jurors. And the only way we get there is if the least common denominator white person is angered and outraged and offended by those those arguments is as offended by those arguments as we are. And we are not there yet. Like the least, like the reason why they make that argument is because they think that argument still holds water for Mm -hmm. the average white person on the street. And I can't say that they're wrong. You know, in general, I'll say this about Eric Nelson. And, you know, look, I'm a fundamentally a defense person at heart, right? Like I'm I'm anti-carceral, I'm generally anti-prosecution. And and, and so I I appreciate the difficulty of Nelson's job. And as you pointed out, Danielle, the necessity of having people willing to do his 
that jump. Where Nelson, Nelson really basically held it together to me until the end. And where, he, to me, he uh, 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 just took the low-hanging racist fruit, as opposed to staying within the four corners of the case, was at the end when he was flailing and he brought up Maxine Waters, right? Yes. That, that was the point where, like, a good, a, a, a noble lawyer making a noble defense of a losing case does not do that. He went at the end for the easiest racist claptrap to try to save his flaming case, right? And that's, that is where he did not cover himself in glory. And certainly that is where Judge Peter Cahill revealed himself to be, as I had said from literally yep. jury selection, this guy is not our friend. This guy, this guy is not trying to play it straight down the middle. This guy is trying to put his weight, put his thumb on the scale for the defense, um, and he and he did it when he when he also when he took the bait, and and said, oh, maybe you've got an argument for appeal. That was Peter. That was a white judge and a white defense attorney, attorney knowing they were losing, trying to pull some racism out of the fire. That is where I think that they, Ellie, they lose the benefit of the doubt. I want you to do some some legal analysis or some lawyer analysis okay because i'm not a lawyer but i've watched every episode of la law but it appeared to me that eric nelson did a horrible job that he just seemed to <laughs> not be defending his client effectively and especially at the end when he showed the i mean he he was like don't just focus on the nine and a half minutes focus also on the 16 minutes before that right but that tape did not seem to me to make Derek Chauvin look better. It made George Floyd look even more sympathetic because he wasn't the sort of typical person who's like, fuck you, cops. I'm escaping from you. I don't care about you. He's like, I'm claustrophobic. I'm really in pain. I'll sit in the front. Just let me get my breath. I'm like, I'm really in pain, you guys. And they were like, shut the fuck up and get in there, nigga. Like, we don't care about you. And it was like, this does not appear to be a good... I was like, if my life is on the line, I would not want Eric Nelson being the one at Hell the wheel. no. No. Look, I don't think Nelson was a great attorney, but he wasn't terrible. I mean, I, my, my score is that he, he was a perfect replacement level attorney. He was, he was, he was a 0, 0.0, not positive, not negative. He, he generally stayed within the corners of his case. And the, the way that I think I can illustrate that to you guys who have watched Law and Order or, or, or uh, Law and Order? Because I'm younger uh, than Torre. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how this case would have sounded if Alan Dershowitz was the defense attorney. If you had one of these MAGA defense attorneys, the whole case would have been like, "This is about Donald Trump. They're trying to try Donald. They're trying to tell us that Donald Trump shouldn't be president." They would have made the whole thing about cancel culture, culture wars. Donald yeah. Trump, they would have brought every every little bit of, you know, they would have, they, that Maxine Waters crap that he did at the end, he would have done that at the beginning. He would have done that. <laughs> that would have been the opening argument, right? It would have just been clips of AOC being pissed off. Would have been their entire case, right? So like, A, it could have gone, it could have looked a lot worse and it could have been a lot, a lot, uh, just a lot more culturally inflammatory. B, let's also let's also remember here when, when when you talk about putting that tape of george floyd up at the end where he's literally calling out for his mother and nelson his defense the defense attorney i mean it is rare that a defense attorney is going to put the victim on camera calling out for his mom minutes before your client kills him that's that was a that was a choice but why did he make that choice <laughs> Right? Why did he make that choice? And it's because I think in Nelson's mind, and what Nelson needed to have to have happen in the jury's mind for any for there to be any chance of victory was to desensitize the jury to the humanity of George Floyd. They had to be by that point, by the closing, not even thinking of Floyd as a person. Nelson himself, I believe, by, by that point, was no longer thinking of Floyd as a human being. And if you no longer, if you're desensitized, if you've seen the video over and over and over and over again, and you're desensitized to the human life that is being snuffed out in, in front of you, that's how you mentally get to the point where you think that that's a choice that you can make and a choice that's going to bring you victory. It obviously didn't work. And we know that it didn't work. 
not just because we got a conviction, because we got a conviction in like what, like thirteen hours. Eleven hours. Yeah, the speed right. with which the jury came yeah. back and they asked no questions tells me they went in there and were like, "Is is everybody clear on what happened?" Like, yeah, every there's no argument. We just gotta. There's a. I mean, there's a basic number of things that they have to do. They can't come back in twenty minutes, but like, it's it, it, this was pretty much as fast as they could. Do they you... had to show that they were doing a professional job and taking yeah. things seriously and had yeah. an open mind. They had to do all that, but like that, th- they had made up their minds about how that was going to go. I believe last time I was on the show, last time I was on with you guys, I said that I thought that the the, the verdict was baked in from the moment they sat the jury. I just didn't know which way the verdict was going to go. And I think that when you look at only eleven hours with the de- de- uh, deliberations, what you see is a jury that had. If not from the moment they sat down, certainly long before closing arguments, they had made up their mind about what they were. Well, what what do do you? I mean, we we have not heard from the jury. We may never hear from the jury. But do you have a guess as to what might have been uh, the last thing they needed to hear? Is it the old man crying? Is it the chief of police police who says, Mm -hmm. "I'm his boss"? That's not what we do. I fired him. I, you know, I'm not like. is it the EMT who's like, I told them check for a pulse and they said, fuck off. Like, is there one thing or is it sort of like this, this whole group of things? I think it's a whole group of things. I mean, we'll think about it this way. Remember some of the jurors, not all of them, but some of them hadn't even seen the video right now. Right. If you're the defense, you thought that sitting those people was a good idea, but most likely based on, again, the speed and rapidity of the verdict, that was probably a bad idea because there were probably some people in that jury room who hadn't seen the video before the trial started and then saw the video and just like, And oh, were absolutely oh. shocked and appalled. And had to yeah. spend three weeks just like listening to bull crap until they could be like, did you see so if video? they That's if, what they were pissed about? So if they like, had been, if some of them had been desensitized that they'd already been, they'd already seen it, then perhaps Eric Nelson could have been like, no, now that you've seen it 10 times, look at it differently. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm, again, this is just kind of armchair quarterbacking based on this rapidity at which they returned their verdict. But you wonder now if they had actually gotten uh, selected people who had been more steeped in the video, who had come to the trial with a little bit more knowledge, maybe it would have been easier for them to play the desensitization game. Because as it was, it looked like, People saw what actually happened and were just like, oh, duh. And but you know, I, I, I think like this, in this particular instance, this particular video, as opposed to the ones that we have seen uh, over the past two weeks, uh, the, the taser video with Dante Wright and uh, the Adam Toledo video and now uh, with Makia Bryant, you know, the difference with this video, in my, in my opinion, is that one, it wasn't taken from body body camera. We were watching the video that Darnella Frazier put together. So it was much more clear um, with, with a wider angle, but also how long it was. Yes. When we're looking at all of these other videos, we're looking at maybe a minute, a few seconds before the person is killed. With George Floyd, I don't think that there was a desensita- uh, desensitation uh, piece to that because it was so long. You couldn't argue the split second defense. You couldn't argue these like, oh, the cops were frazzled. You know, you roll up on a situation. You don't know what you expect. It's like, no, for nine minutes, you knew what to expect. I think that's critical. I think most people, especially white people, will forgive the cops for making a millisecond decision, especially in the case of my fear of a black person, especially a young black person, and he has a second to decide. You know, Adam Toledo, he had a gun, he threw it. Well, yeah, he threw it. He didn't have it. But if I was alone in an alley with a young black kid, I'd be scared. I have one second to decide if I shoot him or I hug him or whatever, or listen to it. Like, I'm going to shoot him. This was that rare case, unlike so many others, like you're mm-hmm. saying, where this wasn't a split second. You had many minutes in which you could many have said, minutes. let's let him up. Let's get off. Let's figure out if we still, let's reassess. He kept saying a reasonable cop will reassess. Well, you surely weren't reassessing because you just laid on him for nine minutes. While people were begging him. And this is where the the bystanders I do, I think come into play where, where not only is it this amazing length of time, 
but it's enough time for a crowd to gather and implore, beg, plead with the author, with the officer, you're killing him, you're killing him, get off him, get off him, get off him, why are you still on him? Like that happens over minutes, right? And I think that there, there, there was time to reflect. This was no crime of passion. And right, that's right. how that's how we get to murder. I think it's sort in of this case. Sig- in I mean, other situations, as as you as you guys are saying, in other situations, I think that the again least common denominator white person thinks that it's fundamentally okay to shoot black people if you do it quick. It's 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 an interesting Jesus sort of like Christ. like almost like for a movie uh, uh, casting the sort of characters who are on the sidewalk, right? Like there's the the girl who thinks phone first and she's getting like a really good, clear vision of what's going on on the ground. Um, there's the older guy who's like identifying with Floyd and talking to him and saying like, stop fighting them. He's like, you can't win, you can't win. right from, from the whiz, you can't win. And he's like, I'm not trying to win. You know, there's the younger guy who's like the martial artist who's like, I can see what you're doing. I trained that maneuver. You are killing him. Like, I mean, like, you know, this this group of people, this chorus is sort of amazing in their courage, in their passion mm-hmm. to stand there and say, this is wrong. But can I say that it's also, and I, and, I, and I hate to say this, I hate to put it like this, but it's also that George Floyd died in a way that is acceptable for white people for us to die. George Floyd died like they want us to die. He died on his knees. He died on the ground. He died submissively. He died handcuffed. He died unable to defend himself. This is how white people want us to die. They don't want us to die on our feet. They don't mm-hmm. want us to die fighting. Do they you... don't want us to die to, to die arguing for ourselves. They want us to die calling for our mother. And when we do, when we die that way, then perhaps they're willing to see a little bit of our humanity. But when we die in the fullness of our rights, mm, fighting back. they don't have any time for that. They don't have any time. LA, that, oh, the full, when we die in the fullness of our rights, saying that you don't have the right, being audacious, as we can say that Sandra Bland was, like, why are you pulling me over? Why are you asking me to get out of the car? When we say that, you know, as Jay-Z rapped about, like, no, you need a warrant to search me. You need you need a reason, right, to do all of these things. When we they say, well, why don't you comply? Why don't you comply? Because our compliance, to your point, looks like submissiveness. Our compliance to them looks like slavery. Right. Put your head down. Say, yes, sir. No, ma'am. Right. Like, I'm so sorry that I that I, you know, got in your way today. Right. To be apologetic about our very existence. That to me is why I say, you know, this system works the way that the system is supposed to work and how you argue your humanity for people that refuse to see it. I don't know. I don't think I've been this happy. I'm trying to think about when I I felt this much schadenfreude about somebody in being incarcerated since maybe Bernie Madoff. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to dial back to like how far back it goes. Um, Ellie, any thoughts? I was happy when they got Cosby, like because they're they're, yeah, fair, fair. There's betrayal there, right? So like that that (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. That's the last time I felt like I'm glad they got I'm glad they got that guy. Um, any thoughts, guesses, predictions on what the range of a sentence? might be what are we what do you, what do you think we're talking about 10 years well, the minimum years? is what 10 women min, whatever the minimum his minimum is 10 i believe he'll get 10 they'll get the minimum they'll they they will not count the 18 complaints about excessive force that's on chauvin's record they'll count this as a first time offense and he'll get the minimum he'll get he'll 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 get the minimum and he'll be out you know he'll be out before my kids are out of high school I can't imagine. I I honestly, I I think for this, I'm going to disagree because, you know, one of the things, Ellie, I remember you saying uh, when we had you on last time was saying that Cahill doesn't want to Mm -hmm. make news here, even Mm -hmm. though he should have kept his fucking mouth shut about Auntie Maxine. He does not want to make news. He does not want to, after one of the most consequential uh, trials that this country has seen, that has been steeped in race and racism and policing and all of these things with a call out from the administration, right? To then say, oh, 
12 jurors decided this man's fate. And so now I'm going to give you 10 years. We give low level drug dealers with an ounce of weed fucking 10 years in this country. Mm -hmm. So you cannot, in my, in my opinion, I, I, I say this knowing the truth, knowing the patterns that we have seen over time, but this man, this is not the legacy. This judge, this is not the legacy that he wants to have his name wrapped around. He will not get the maximum, but I don't think that he's going to get the minimum. But he also doesn't want to get bumped on appeal. And while the Maxine Waters comment is not grounds for appeal, is not legitimate grounds for appeal, although I'm sure they'll try it now, um, it's not legitimate grounds for appeal, and uh, an an over-sentence could be. And if, if you put him away for 25 and you, if you call him a first time offender and then put him away for 25, that could, I'm not saying it should, but that could get knocked on appeal. And that's what, and I don't think Cahill wants that. But Danielle, can I ask you this question though? Please. Do you think that the other three cops are going to get convicted as well? No, I don't. Because those people are are charged with aiding and abetting. And to me, they are every bit as guilty as Chauvin. What What do you think? Do they, do they go to jail? I, 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 I think they, I think they have to. I think that they are, they are being accused of aiding and abetting a, mur- a murder. We have now proven the murder. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. show is part of the pro-democracy podcast coalition the midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections we all know that our government is broken politicians spend more time working for themselves their big donors and their political party instead of for us we as americans have had enough of the corruption partisan bickering and gridlock look i get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out but i'm here to tell you there's reason for hope our political system is broken now but we can fix it that's why we've partnered with Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Let's go back for one second, because a lot of folks on the Twitter, a lot of black folks are saying, oh, they're going to offer a plea. And as I said, I've seen a lot of L.A. law and I was like, they don't have they have to offer something to get a deal. If they could say we'll testify against Chauvin, then they could get something. Now there's not we we have nothing. There's nothing. They have no bargaining chip. What are they, they have, bargaining for? Right. They have no leverage. So can they can can they uh, try to get a try to take a plea? Like they can try to take a plea to save the community the the anguish trauma of having to try them. 
that's what they can do. They can also be in a situation where one can offer to rat out the other two because they're they're three of them, right? So we like saw that. We saw it all. Like we don't need one to testify against the other two. We have you on video. Need I agree, but whether or not the state wants to go through this again, and again, it's not going to be. It's not. It's not obvious that they'll be convicted. That's that's what they're offering. That that's what that would be their offer. I mean, and also understand understand that just in a couple of days, right? This week was the viewing of Dante Wright's uh, body. His funeral will be this week as well in this same state, but a couple of towns over is Brooklyn Center, where the you know the the AG's office, Keith Ellison, is taking a deep breath and then they going back to work. Today with the with former police officer, Kim Potter. So, you know, to say to save any anguish, it's like there's it's, a reason why Merrick Garland just opened up. Oh, yeah. They just opened up an investigation into the Minneapolis the police department because they clearly have a fucking problem. I, I, yep. I, I, I would submit that I bet all three of us would agree that Kim Potter is not going to jail for that. I think Kim Potter's going to jail. You now you think Kim Potter? You I do. You thought Derek was getting off because now you I think, think Kim's going away. No, I, be, no way, Kim Potter. Because goes I to think jail. because I think that the charge that is against her is the correct one, and I also think that her they want to use her veteran status on the on the force. Um, I think that that's going to be used against her as a trainer and as a twenty six year veteran. You don't know the fucking difference between a plastic fucking taser. And a Glock? Like, you don't know I, the difference between that? You're totally right, but we're back to the thing that separated Chauvin it, from everybody it's else. Ax- it's, but a this, split this is second moment. it's a split-second mo- decision. Juries do not like to put cops away for split-second decisions. And her voice, she's clearly saying, taser, like, she, the, 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 the defense can easily argue, she truly thought she had her taser. She did not mean to kill him. That's okay, what she and was sometimes to do. people don't mean to shoplift, but they happen to walk out of the store and with something also, that never stops the cops from throwing people also, to the ground. Well, no, that, that happens to black people. This is a white person, and also, and let me get <laughs> Ellie. Let me toss it to Ellie after this. This is a woman. Harder to convict a woman. Also, um, I, I don't think you're going to find a jury in 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 Minnesota that will throw her in jail. Yeah, I think she walks. Um, they didn't convict Betsy Shelby, who shot a man on the fucking highway. They didn't convict her, um, who shot ter- the, the Betsy Shelby, who shot Terrence Crutcher. Betsy Shelby um, now does pol- police training for overcoming crises. Um, this is a white woman who shot a black man in an excited state, and and she will and she will go like this from um, just into she will lean into the tropes of an excited woman making a mistake. That's that's gonna be part of this. She will lean into the tropes of her being um, fearing for her life and it's a and it's and it was a fast moving situation. She did scream taser, taser, taser um, a bunch of times, which she will argue shows that her intent was not to kill or harm. And the thing that I think still makes it manslaughter too, which I agree, Danielle, that's actually the right charge. Um I because I, I don't think this I don't I don't see the Dante Wright thing as a mur- legally as a murder. As a murder, as, legally as, as a murder. Yeah, yeah, as legally as a murder. I think it is manslaughter. Um, but I would have to argue that tasers themselves are inherently dangerous, which they are. To get me to manslaughter too, I have to argue that even if she did what she thought she was doing, which was shooting a taser at a guy trying to get back into a car, that that act was recklessly dangerous. Certainly shooting yes. a taser... Right. And I can argue that statistically based on how many people actually die from being hit by a taser. But white people really, really, really want to believe that subduing us nonviolently is 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 the goal. So the white people will will resist the evidence that you could put forth that tasers are inherently dangerous. And that's why she's going to walk. I I hate to see things through the white gaze, but. Um, and, and I completely agree, like, even if I accept, which I do, Danielle does not, and that's fair, but I do, I think she truly believes she had her taser in her hand. Um, how inexcusable mistake, but that's what I believe. However, you shouldn't have been pulling your taser at all. But that's my right, position. There was as no, a black, because there was no imminent threat. There, there was, there no, was no imminent threat. Right. But yep. 
there, that's what I believe is a black person who's typically critical and, 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 and of the police and aware of police procedure. Does the average white person, are they willing to go to court to say, yeah, she shouldn't have pulled her taser? I know she thought she had her, her taser. She shouldn't have pulled that either. I don't think the average white person's gonna 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 agree with that argument. I think they're I gonna see a scary teenage black kid, right? I mean, like like they fucking called Adam Toledo a 13-year-old man on Fox News. <laughs> fucking 19-year-old Dante Wright. Like he's that he's scary as they fuck. Called to them. Him. I don't I don't even no, want to Sean go Hannity literally said Sean Hannity literally said Adam Toledo was a 13-year-old man. They're gonna see Dante Wright as, as goddamn LeBron. He was, a, um, he was a father. Right, it, like that's what somebody said to me. To he was a father, as if that alone makes you a man. Being a father, right? like. But the, the I read an article in the Nation about how after the Dante Wright killing, about how we shouldn't even have armed traffic stops. And one of the things that I said that oh, yep. just that for certain white people they just couldn't get it around was they couldn't let him go. They could. So okay, so Dante Wright was trying to get away. They couldn't let him go. We live in the future. We had his. We had his license plate number. I know. We had you, his, had, you could have rolled I, up to his house, like you know, in a, in a, you, you know, are. you could have been like, okay, go ahead, because we have your license. We and know where we you have are. Your, we have your fucking tags. You right. could have let him go. You ain't getting away. Where are Google you knows where you are at this point, right? So like, they could have just let him go and caught up with him later. But the thought that they would just let this scary black man go just because he was trying to get up, like, just couldn't gonna get there like you can't like it's it's so I hard mean, to to get white people to think critically differently about the police and you know uh, other people have talked about this our, our friend jason johnson talks about it a lot like you can get white people to think about the most radical reorganization right of any economic policy of money of bitcoin policy. you can government right? ranked choice voting right what currency is, you said Bitcoin, right? You can get white people to rethink what money is, but tell them that we need to completely reimagine what a police does. Oh! And they're just like, oh! Like, no, you're absolutely no, right. But let's, send, incredibly... but let's send more helicopters to Mars. Let's do that. Let's do that. I just want healthcare. The, the, the notion <laughs> that... <laughs> the notion that police should be this traveling bureaucracy making sure that everybody has paid their registration has is wearing their seatbelt doesn't have air freshener doesn't have 32 percent dark tint on their windows and all these other little ticky tack things that aren't speeding and possibly dui all of that should be thrown out the window we should not be uh, harassed and attacked by the police for such things they should not be in the business of policing those sorts of things. It doesn't create public safety. It's not intended to create public safety. It's intended to create an opportunity for them to look for guns and drugs and to fine us and thus claw money from. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, I just want to add a little like, I just want to add a little like, I went to school in Boston, well, not in Boston, um, Sheen to that. In in Cambridge. Okay, (laughs) right in Cambridge, near Boston. I went to law school. But... (laughs) 
when when Torre says they use this as an excuse to look for drugs and guns, that is the literal Supreme Court ruling. All right, a yep. case called Wren is uh, in 1996 literally said that the cops can use minor traffic infractions as an excuse to get around the Fourth Amendment. Right. So if you think if I'm driving down the street and you think that I have drugs, you no, normally you would need probable cause to think that I have drugs before you can stop me and search for the drugs. Right. But if I miss a turn signal, if I roll through a stop sign, then because I've committed a moving violation that allows the cops who do not care about the turn signal to stop my car, pull their guns out, toss my car and look for the look for the contraband that they're actually in, in, interested in. That is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. But the Supreme Court has said that is OK. And again, as I said in the pre last time I was on, we talked about Graham B. Connor. This this time we're talking about Ren. Both of those cases, nine zero. The liberal mm. justices are not the friends that you think they are when it comes to issues of police violence against black people. That was another 9-0 Supreme Court decision from 1996, right? So even, that's wow. Ginsburg e on that court. Even Clarence yeah. Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> Especially Clarence Thomas. Uh, you know, the, the joy that the joy, the catharsis, the the relief that I felt in this one moment of victory in, in an oasis of losses in this sort of in this area um was quickly uh, uh motive was quickly mitigated by this this story out of columbus micaiah bryant being murdered by police and then you saw the video my god the the officer jumps out of the car and in about 10 seconds begins firing in a, That's well, I counted, I'm like. pretty sure it was 10 seconds, begins firing, has not really assessed the situation, doesn't really know who's who. How do you know? Am I saying, is it Micaiah or Makia? I keep forgetting. Okay, we're going to go I with Micaiah. I think it's Micaiah. Um, I, I, does, is she defending herself and she's just gotten the upper hand this moment? Is she at no home idea. where she has the right to stand her ground according to Ohio law? He doesn't know. He doesn't know who the players are. And for all the folks who are like, well, she had a knife, so he had to start blasting. There were at least three other cops there. And none of them pulled out their guns. None of them said, we have to start shooting right away. Why this one cop was like, I need to start blasting because it's call of duty out here. I have no idea. If you cannot. Yeah. You know what I, it, I just, well, just want to say, like what I think is, what I think is going to play out with this case, which is going to have eyes on it. Because again, to Ellie's point with George Floyd, this isn't going to nope. look like a perfect nope. victim, right? Because they're going to say that she was armed. The thing here though, is that so was Kyle Rittenhouse. So was Dylan Roof. So were all of these white homicidal killers who are apprehended with not so much as one of the blonde hairs on their head removed. And so to say that, oh, well, the cops are justified. Cops right. are not supposed to kill guilty right. people either. And so if you can, once you've received radio intel, that where you are going is the site of a mass killing or this person has committed homicide and somehow they are still picked up alive tells you that you don't need to use this type of force. You said the magic word to me, Torre, which is the phrase assess the situation. That's what cops are supposed to do. How the fuck can you assess a situation when you are just getting out of your car? Right. And there are a bunch of people in the front yard. You took no time and you uttered again, no words. There was no freeze. There was no stop. There was nothing that was said. It was four pops. And that was it. Shoot now. Ask questions. If later. You and Go your ahead, three Ellie. cop buddies cannot disarm a 15 year old girl with a steak knife. Y'all need to eat your weeds. Right. You need to fucking learn some Kung Fu. There is no 
There is no reason. I've got an eight-year-old in my house. He sometimes runs around with scissors. When I need to get the scissors out of his, out of his hand, I don't pop him in the mouth, all right? I'm bigger than him. <laughs> and I use that to subdue him and his safety scissors, all right? She had a steak knife. There were, as you said, there were four cops there. How is it that your training does not allow you to subdue that nonviolently? And then certainly, as Danielle said, how does how is your first reaction, not your third, eighth, not your not your reaction of last resort? How is your first reaction to hop out of your car and pop four bullets into her? And it's one of the things that I that I've said in other instances of police murder. Um, I said it a lot during the Michael Brown stuff because it's not like this is mm. new. A cop needs to be able to justify every bullet. It's not mm. acceptable to empty mm. your goddamn clip ever. Think about it, and I can prove this to especially white people listening. I can prove this because think about January 6th when they killed Ashley Babbitt. Did that officer, did that black officer empty his clip at this literal insurrectionist who was coming through to kill Congress people? No. One shot. Bang. That's all it took to put her down, to stop her, and to back the whole crowd up. The reason why I emphasize that the cops need to be able to justify every bullet is because we don't know which bullet killed her. We, we, we know mm. that we do know from forensic evidence that it was the sixth bullet that killed Michael Brown. So that if Darren Wilson had just fired five, there's a chance Michael Brown would still be alive today but he had to squeeze off that sixth shot. Jesus. That we know from, from, from forensics. We don't know yet which bullet kill, killed Bryant, but the inability to account for every single one is also, in a reasonable world, would be unacceptable. In a reasonable world, it would be required for cops to justify every shot they put in to a citizen, but we don't require that when, especially when the citizen is black. Four bullets. I mean, it's like Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, to my eyes, he's shooting a little wildly, and the girl in the pink is just blind lucky that she didn't get murdered as well. And you bring up uh, January sixth, you know, and that's been something that a lot of us on Twitter have been pointing back. Like, what you know, why were the cops so uh, showing so much restraint on January sixth? You know, and, and you know, folks are saying, well. You know, they didn't have enough bullets for everybody in the crowd, which is a ridiculous comment. You don't need to have one bullet for everybody in the crowd, right? If I shoot one person, human nature will make the other people run away. They're not going to go, well, there's 50 of us. and That clip can only hold 12 bullets, so he can only kill 11 more of us. They're going, the rest of them are going to be like, you know what? <laughs> this was ill this is ill-conceived. I'm out of here. I, I don't want to get shot. Um, it's the individuality I still... of whiteness. whiteness. Whiteness always expects to be treated by an individual so that literally that bullet has to say, this is for Jeremy. This is for Bob. And if it doesn't say that, then we can't, then then, then that was the problem for on January 6th. And, and you know, look, that, I mean, as, also... as you say, you're, when you say that one, one was enough to make them back up, you are not talking theoretically. We saw it happen. That mob was about to go get yep. those Congress people. That mob was about to overwhelm the barricade they put up. One shot and everybody backed up. I mean, you know, it's it, it's just again and again and again. That is the most egregious example. But again and again and again, the brand of policing and the brand of criminal justice that we get is entirely different than what they get. And to expect the police mm -hmm. and the world to treat us the way they treat them. You know, white people speak, seem to be speaking from a different earth of like, why don't you just comply? When we comply, everything works out just fine. Like, yeah, because you're on earth two. We're on earth one, where whether or not we comply, mm -hmm. we still get killed. Mm -hmm. uh, Philando Castile was complying. John Crawford was shopping. Breonna Taylor was sleeping. Mm -hmm. You know, Tamir Rice was a baby. It's not about compliance. They don't give us a chance to comply. You brought it up with Adam Toledo. I mean, all these people are saying like, well, Adam Toledo only threw away the gun for a second. He only, he, he was only unarmed for a second. He, didn't have he was it. only unarmed for a second because the cop didn't give him two seconds. If the cop had given him two seconds, he would have been unarmed for two seconds. If the cop had given him a minute, he would have been unarmed for a minute. But the cop didn't wait that long. He just shot. 
And well, that's you know, what there's, 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 but there's get. this bizarre yep. inability to criticize the police from those sort of folks. They think, you know, here's a, here's a kid in an alley. I would be scared. You know what? If the cop had tactically pursued Adam Toledo in a different way, he would not have led himself to only have one second to decide, is he holding a gun or not? To say nothing of the studies that show that black and white police officers are more likely to see, quote unquote, a gun in the hand of, a, of an unarmed black person than, uh, uh, than an unarmed white person. Uh, they, they visualize guns in our hands when we're not holding them. But the officer pursued in an unintelligent way that he's probably not trained to pursue that left him vulnerable to being hurt by Adam rather than pursuing in a way that would have given him one or two seconds to be able to assess. He's not holding the weapon. And I, I can subdue him without having to shoot him. Well, there's also the... But the reality... But the, the, the other thing here, too, when people say, when, to Ellie's point, when the reaction is, well, if I were alone in an alley with a with a young black kid or a brown kid or whatever, I'd be scared too. The presumption here, again, is that what? Police officers don't have fucking training and don't have right. weapons. And so again, we're we're continue we're socialized into having this unnecessary amount of empathy for people who are choosing a profession that puts them in harm's way. If you cannot handle that pressure, if the and because and we also have to understand the issue yeah. is not training. This yeah. is about choices. The issue is not training. You can do as much cultural bias shit. You can do as much tactical shit as you would like, right? The, that is not the issue. The issue is the fact that they are making conscious choices and decisions to execute who they choose to because they know it doesn't matter at the end of the day. There is a reason why Kyle Rittenhouse is still alive and Dylan Roof is still alive and all of those murderers are still alive. And there is a reason why we have a litany of people who have hashtags attached to their names that we can't right. even remember all of them. If I was alone are gone. In, a, in, a, in a small room with a rabbit dog, I would be afraid. And that's one reason I'm not a fucking vet. Right? We make <laughs> our choices based on what we think we can handle. Right? Choices. And so if you're a cop, you have yep. to be able to be in a high stress, high pressure situation and make good decisions. Decisions not based on fear, decisions based on the law and the constitution. You have to be able to think about things like rights and responsibilities and legal structures while you're pursuing crime. If you can't do that, then you can't be a cop. But, but part of what's great about your analogy is that is so often they Plain see us as animals. So they feel like they cannot trust what we will do we will not behave with the humanity that they expect of each other, which is why when they approach Dylan Roof and they see their little cousin, they extend him humanity, even though he's just murdered the church or the guy in Aurora who just murdered the whole movie theater. But they extend the him the benefit. They just extend him the benefit of humanity. They don't extend us the benefit of humanity when we're alone running down the street. When we're fighting with other people in front of our foster home i'm i'm tired danielle i'm really tired mm. i'm 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 fucking I'm tired you know, of murals you know I'm, tired. I'm tired of hashtags i'm tired of say her name i'm tired of say his name it's too much it's too much it's quite a lot the last two weeks and the last two weeks i mean i i honestly think to be honest that we haven't really had any type of deep breath, anything mm -hmm. since the election, right? Like it has just been one nightmare after the that's other piling, for the last several it's months. Been piling like that, up that in is a weird that's just way real. the last couple of weeks. Um, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just a lot. Maybe, maybe, maybe next tired. week we'll go ahead. Maybe we're not tired enough, right? I mean, like, Tori, you've got kids, I've got kids, mm. and I think a lot, like, I can't keep them safe here, but right. I'm not leaving. So what does that mean? Right? Well, like, last what, year like, was like, I'm, I am tired enough that we're going to, you know, yell and scream and march and march and march. Um, and march and pray and vigil and, you know, and continue to fight. Like, I'm not telling people not to fight, but the exhaustion is real. And I don't have kids, but I tell you that, you know, Dante, right was only 
a year younger than my younger oh. cousin, you know, who drives around and is six foot, you know, black kid. And I just I thought you were going to say, yeah, I thought you were going to say he's only a year younger than me. Okay. Um, <laughs> maybe no, next week we'll just come out and just meditate with the audience for a while because we need some sort of like like breathing work or like you know we'll all do don't invite me together. for that because i'm not good at that i'm not Sage. i'm not, I'm not <laughs> we, need some, we need some self-care ellie i mean what, what is, what is self-care to you right now ellie like like you're in trauma and pain like all of us like i'm not i'm like i need some guest. fried chicken you know, to go play some tennis. Like, what do you, what, what, what gets you self care, Ellie? Because this is a high stress moment for Black people. I, I got, I got yeah. a couple of things. One, yeah. I'm a writer, and I process the world through writing, and so I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm privileged, quite frankly, and I'm lucky to have an outlet. Um, you know, I, I am one of the lucky ones that actually gets to scream at white people and make money for it. So like that, that's actually helpful. Sometimes when I write, sometimes my columns that appear online um, are actually just me trying to work through the issue in my head, right? Just trying to, just trying to work it out myself. So I'm, mm. I'm somewhat lucky, um, you know, for that. You know, I think more about my wife who doesn't have, who has like a real job, who doesn't have that you know, outlet and, you know, what is she, you know, she's become addicted to exercise. Like my wife has been exercising more, um, you know, during these past few months um, than like ever before in her life. Like she's really gotten into that. It's just like a, just a physical kind of, you know, way to start to process things. Mm-hmm. So I, I do a lot of that. Um, so, so she does a lot of that. I don't exercise at all, kind of obviously. Um, <laughs> the other thing that i that i that i really do kind of do with some intentionality um is is spend time with my own kids right to to just just remember that there's a point for all of this that there's something that i'm fighting for that there's something that that yeah there's a reason to keep trying right because if because honestly if it was just to me i'd be in fucking france like i i I, like if it was if it was just my future we, we've we've argued about this on this show before. I don't believe in leaving America because America, we have to fight to make America better. I mean, what if you know, uh, uh, you know, what if King and X and you know Huey and and Eldridge had said like, "Fuck America, let's leave," like for good, like like you know, America wouldn't be where you know, like it needs people like us to stay and fight to make it better. Um, what I, if I wanted, Einstein I, had said, "Fuck Germany, I'm out of here." Guess what? He would have lived, and he had <laughs> right. Like, it's, I mean, like at some know, point I, you get on the train, right? At some point you go. Exercise is, in, but Germany is different. Exercise. But and Germany that, is I, different I because America in America is ours, <laughs> and it drives the world in a particular, the entire world in a particular way. That we need America. Like France can be fucked up, Russia can be fucked up. If America gets any more fucked up than it is right now, that will have a massive negative impact on the entire globe. And it needs good people like us to stay and fight to try to make it better. Uh, Danielle, for me, exercise also, it brings me into my body. It gives me an oasis. I forget about the world, the trauma, the stress for that hour or two that I'm working out. What are you doing for self-care right now because it's a highly stressful traumatic moment for black people yeah i've been meditating consistently for a year now so i meditate twice a day um um it depends sometimes it's like an hour sometimes it's five minutes sometimes i just need to you know be guided through some deep breath sometimes I need to be like guided through, you know, my own trauma of, of living. Do you listen to a guided meditation? Who, who do you listen to? Mm -hmm. I tell, I tell folks on woke AF all the time. I use insight timer. They do not pay me, but I highly recommend it. It is free. You can do the paid version. I do the free version. They have so many curated lists, playlists of different meditations. They have actually, since COVID and the uprisings, been curating more meditation leaders of color, uh, doing more meditations about anxiety, stress, 
white supremacy. Like there are a lot of things um, that you can get from that. So I do that. I also exercise. Uh, Power walking has become my thing. I do it by the water all the time because water makes me feel hopeful uh, and connected. But you know what, what else I have done is made joy a part of my resistance. I refuse to live my life filled with grief and rage only, right? So as much rage and sadness that we are experiencing, I try on the days that are beautiful outside when I have the opportunity to connect with good people to do so, right? Because I'm not going to have these people rob me of the entirety of, of, of my life. And so rest I, and I, joy need to also be a I part love the of, sound of the that. work that we do. And, you know, that is extremely um, BLM-ish. I know you don't do it because of BLM, but like folks talk about, media talks about them, you know, being in the streets, protesting, shutting down highways. If you really get involved with BLM people, a big part of it is self-care stuff, meditation, sitting in parks, communing with friends, insisting on having joy in their lives and not just just anger at the man. Thank you so much for listening to this extended <laughs> record-length democracy-ish. Um, thank you to our guest, Double Harvard, Ellie Mistal. Meditation. Well, mainly because I can't get my opium dealer since the uh, COVID, but like, you know, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to send you a link. Yeah. Ellie. Yeah. yeah well, oh, 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 you're going to send him a link to the meditation because I can send you a link to a guy if you need some, need some opium. I'll, I'll send you a guy. I, can, I, I got a you- guy. You know, I your choice. I, I whatever quit, but you I got a guy. I got a guy. We can hook you up. Um, I'm I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week if we still have a mind. A mind, a country, our mental health, and our sanity. Hang on, folks. Hang on. <laughs>